Zipper rolls out to the right, pitches off to Taylor, and Taylor's to the 20. Down to the 15, down to the 10, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Billy Taylor scored a touchdown from 21 yards out. The crowd goes berserk. It was November 22nd, 1969 that they came to Barry, Michigan, all dressed in maize and blue. The words were said, the prayers were read, and everybody cried. But when they closed the coffin, there was someone else inside. Oh, they came to Barry, Michigan, but Michigan wasn't dead. And when the game was over, it was someone else instead. Eleven Michigan Wolverines put on the gloves of gray, and as the organ played the victors, they laid Woody Hayes away. Under center is Wangler at the 45. He goes back. He's looking for a receiver. He throws downfield to fire. Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the Visitor's Edition of The Michigan Man. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. The pre-Big Ten season is done with. Now it's time to begin conference play and find out just how good we are. My guest today will be longtime Penn State radio play-by-play voice, Steve Jones. A reminder that our free app is available in the iTunes and Google Play stores, and we are now on the team at iHeartRadio. If you get the show from iTunes, please take a minute to rate or comment on the show. Thank you in advance for your time. Before we get to Steve Jones, my view from Section 17. Jordan Lewis and Taco Charlton are expected back this week, and the general health of the team is good heading into Week 4. So far this season, we've learned our defense is as good as advertised. We have to clean up the safety play and stay in our run lanes a bit better, but all in all, that is nitpicking. Don Brown said yesterday his players are still learning the defense, but getting better every day. He says the breakdowns we've seen the last two weeks are all on him. He said he loves the personnel he has to work with and thinks this defense will be better each week. I like what I've seen from Wilton Spate so far. He's very calm, has a very good pocket presence, and he does throw a nice ball. Only one pick so far this year, which you have to be happy about. The passing game looks just fine to me. I'm worried about the running game, and this week we are playing a bunged-up Penn State defense. I would hope we'll see an improvement up front and even some better vision from our running backs. Penn State comes in with a 2-1 record. Uh, They have an offense that is well-balanced, but not without their own issues. The offensive line has been inconsistent and has been pushed around at times. On defense, they could be missing as many as five starters. They are not a team to be taken lightly, however but I think they're going to have a tough time in the trenches with us on both sides of the ball. The debut of the new interactive sports app I've been telling you about is almost here. In October, it will be in the Google Play and iTunes stores. It is designed by the team that brought us Madden Football and EA Sports College Basketball. You have never seen anything like it. An app that lets you interact with your favorite sports team while they are playing. For more info, email playitfirst at yahoo.com and leave a cell number. 
That's playitfirst at yahoo.com and make sure you leave your cell number. This app will take interactive gaming to a new level, so check it out. Penn State is coming off back-to-back seven and six seasons under head coach James Franklin. This is a pivotal year for the program, and Saturday's game in the Big House will give them a chance to see how close they are to turning the corner. Penn State radio play-by-play voice Steve Jones is with me next, here on The Michigan Man, on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the vSporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Back with us on our visitor segment this year is the radio voice of Penn State football, Steve Jones. Great to have you back, Steve. Mike, always great to be with you. Thanks for everything. Well, you know, coming into this Saturday's game, uh, Penn State 2-1 and one after beating Temple on Saturday. Uh, through three games, Steve, what has impressed you about this team? And now after seeing them for three games, what are the areas of concern? Well, number one, I think the offense has been as advertised. I think when uh, Saquon Barkley gets going, he's the number one focal point for everybody in every game that he plays. Uh, Trace McSorley's done a very good job of balancing this offense. I think he's very good at the short to medium uh, pass game. He's got the receivers to pull it off because Godwin's very good. Deshaun Hamilton's very good. So there are a lot of players that he can turn to. In this. And Mike Kosicki is off to a really good start. For Penn State, uh, you know, he's had a really good season so far, and he certainly has been a guy that, that I think now they can rely upon in the offense at that tight end spot. I think the secondary for Penn State's played well. I think they're getting improved play up front, especially from the defensive tackles. And, Mike, I think uh, the concern part of it would be the number of injuries they have. Mm-hmm. The group of linebackers that were the second-string linebackers, right, Manny Bowen, Jay Cooper, Brandon Smith, Mm-hmm. Those were the three linebackers in the game because the starting three linebackers were all hurt. And that's the part that's a problem for them. And this is the kind of depth that the last two years, because of the sanctions and the numbers they had, they could not survive. Well, they've been able to survive it now because they have a few more numbers and more people, obviously, along the way that can play. So, I mean, that's been, that's been the, the biggest negative, I think, above all, has been the, uh, the number of injuries at linebacker. Well, Steve, let's talk about uh, the young man we're going to see under center for Penn State on Saturday. Of course, uh, big shoes in replacing Christian Hackenberg. Trace McSorley. I've seen bits and pieces of him. I saw the entire Kent State game. Very nice arm, of course. Pretty good wheels. Tell us about his place so far this year and what he brings to this offense. Well, it's the offense that Joe Moorhead wants to run. The offense fits the personnel, Mike. That's the big part. And McSorley is a is a prototypical uh, offense. Uh, this offense fits him very well. This would not be an offense that Christian Hackenberg could run well. But this offense, he can run well because it's that you know run-pass option, and he's very good at it. He throws the ball better, I think, than people realize. He's, you know, he's pretty accurate. Uh, and, again, the short to medium range stuff's pretty good. He's been able to air it out a couple times longer. Uh, but 
I think he has a really good feel for this and a really good feel for the game. He was a high school winner. I mean, he went, he took his high school team to four straight Virginia championship games and won the last three he played in. Mm-hmm. So he's got that little edge to him as to how he plays. And he has, even though in his own quiet way, he's the kind of guy that guys really gravitate toward. So he's really perfect for what they want to do. And over the next couple of years, he's just going to get better at it. Well, Steve, you mentioned uh, Saquon Barkley, a uh, very special running back, easily the best the Michigan defense has seen so far this year. He got bunged up a bit on Saturday, but he looked pretty darn healthy on that 55-yard touchdown run in the second yeah. half. It, it Was that just a, a minor injury he suffered Saturday? Yeah, it was no big deal. Uh, in fact, they could have put him back in the game earlier, but they thought they could get by with the other running backs, just buy him a little time. And they finally said, you know what, let's put him back in. And, of course, he broke the game open with the big run. But instead of wearing 26, you ought to just wear a target because every team is going to put him in as the number one guy they need to stop. And Michigan fans are used to this. Look at the great lineage of awesome Michigan tailbacks that have come through. They all went through the same thing as Barkley. The awesome lineage of Penn State running back, same thing. They went through it, too, where they're the marked guy. Uh, you know, it, it's just the difference in, with Barkley is that you know, up front, you know, it's, that's where the sanctions took a big toll on, on this program would be at the offensive line and at the uh, linebackers. So they've been rebuilding up front. The offensive line is playing better. And he's just really good. He's become a really good pass receiver, a much better blocker. All those things that at the next level they're going to really look at besides how well you run the ball. With McSorley and Barkley, those are two great weapons. But that receiving core that Penn State has is just exceptional. And you mentioned Gesicki. Uh, we won't miss him Saturday, 6-6, and uh, he's been playing real well. But a lot of weapons on that outside and a tight end. Well, what happens, Gesicki runs well. He was a wide receiver in high school, Mike. And then you move him to the H-back tight end role. And, you know, he needs to be a better blocker. I think he's improved in that area. But he needs to be better, and he knows that. But he's tough for a linebacker because he's usually too quick for linebackers. I'm, ex- I'm excusing Jabril Peppers here, okay? <laughs> and the normal linebacker, he's usually too quick for. And he's usually too big for a safety. So he does become a matchup problem for people as to how he plays, and he has great hands. And the other wideouts, I mean, Hamilton's a veteran. Everybody knows he caught a touchdown pass in Michigan Stadium two years ago. Goblin's become really, really good. Tompkins has had to step in for Blacknall, who's been hurt. And Tompkins in the last two games has played really well. So, uh, I mean, that area is one of the strengths of the football team, no question. I saw the Kent State game, saw most of the Temple game, and, and it just looks to me like that offensive line is having its struggles uh, so far with consistency, just like Michigan's offensive line. Was that expected, Steve? Uh, that's a good question, Mike. Was it expected? Um, I, I think for me somewhat because – the last couple of years, there have been struggles up front. I don't know as if you flip the switch on that and suddenly, voila, everything's better. I think the offense is better for them because it's an offense where you don't have to hold, hold your block as long in the running game. I think for the most part, the pass protection's been pretty good. Um, too many negative plays against Temple in the run game. Uh, Penn State had been averaging nearly six yards of play on first down going into the Temple game. And I think they had like six or seven negative running plays on first down in in the Temple game, which, you know, put them in that second and long far too often. So mm. that's got to be cleaned up. There's no question. Well, after three games, I know it's uh, not much of a sample, but how would you grade out this offense? 
Well, I think it, for the most part, it's graded out pretty well. I mean, it's not obviously averaging 50-something points a game like Michigan's offense is to this point. But uh, the fact is the Kent State game that you reference is the low watermark of the season in terms of point production, 33. Um, you know they had, you know they were able to get 39 against Pitt. They were able to get 34 against against Temple. So they've been able to, for the most part, move the ball pretty well. And I think that's a that's been a plus. They would be a better third down team. The fact that Michigan defensively under Don Brown is only uh, giving up what 11 percent on third down. <laughs> not, not exactly the recipe to get well <laughs> in a game in a game like this. But they have to be a better third down offense. I think if I had to say if there's any area they need to be better at, it's third down. Well, with us on our visitor segment uh, this week as we get ready for uh, Saturday's Big Ten opener is the radio play-by-play voice of Penn State football, Steve Jones. Uh, Steve, injuries, as you had talked about at the top of the interview, have uh, impacted the defense uh, this year. Tell us about that side of the ball, though, and some of the key players we'll see on Saturday. And are are any of the injured players returning? Well, that part I don't know yet because they haven't really gone through a full practice yet. I mean, Cabinda's not going to be able to play. I think everybody knows that because um, Cabinda's been out. Uh, but everybody else, I think, is is on the table to play. Uh, I think Sickles is really Garrett Sickles has played very well at defensive end. I think Parker Cothran has really come on uh, at that defensive tackle spot, and Kevin Givens brings an element of quickness there. Torrance Brown has become a much better defensive end. He's been starting the last couple of games out there. Uh, the linebackers we went through, Brandon Smith's a walk-on, uh, is a fourth-year walk-on who knows how to play. I mean, Mike, he's one of those guys who knows how to play. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he, but he might be a quarter-half step slow on a couple of things compared to maybe somebody else, but he tries to make up for it with his instincts. Uh, Bowen's got a real burst. Uh, I think Cooper has a chance down the road to be a good two-way linebacker that Jack Hamm loves to talk about. The safeties, Marcus Allen and Malik Golden have been really good so far. And John Reed, I think, is one of the better corners in the Big Ten. Now, obviously, Jordan Lewis is a gold standard. I know Jordan hasn't played. But, you know, Jordan Lewis last year is like a gold standard in the league. Well, John Reed, I think next year is going to be one of those guys thought of in the gold standard when it comes to being a corner. And then they've got Grant Haley and Amani Oyewarie, which I don't expect Jim Brinstetter to pronounce. That's my job. <laughs> Well, Michigan, uh, Steve, has not been overpowering in the running game on the offensive side so far this year. And teams uh, have been stacking the box, uh, not so much last week uh, with Colorado, but trying to make them throw the football, which Michigan has done pretty darn successfully. Does Penn State have the kind of defense or the confidence in this defensive unit right now that you expect them to pretty much play Michigan straight up? Or would you expect them to pretty much uh, follow suit and stack up that box? Well, I think you have to do a combination of things. I don't think you can just get yourself buried into one thing. You have to be unpredictable on defense. And I think that Darbo and Chess and, and Bud, I think Jake's the best tight end in the league. Uh, and I think Darbo and Chess, and that's a really dynamic wideout combination. Uh, there's a lot of really good wideouts in the league, but those two are in the top ten somewhere in terms of like individually. Uh, and I think that they, you know, that's that's a part that you've got to keep an eye on the entire time. They both, all three of them, demand a lot of attention. Uh, so yeah, you, you know, you want to take away the run game. You want to make team uh, team one dimensional. I think everybody would love to do that. I think Michigan would love to take away Barkley and they'll you know, force McSorley to win the game throwing the ball. I think that's the goal of every defense is you're trying to make them one dimensional so that you can, uh, you know force the quarterback to win the game. 
Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, that's exactly what people have wanted Spate to do. And I think Spate's handled it beautifully so far. He got to a little slow start against Colorado and then the rest of the game he was outstanding. Michigan defensively, as uh, you said, and we've all seen this year, has been very good. And I'm sure Penn State's looking for uh, forward to the test. I, I think they are. From an offensive perspective, though, Steve, what do you think Penn State has to do better this week if they're going to have success against this Michigan defense? Well, I do think they have to run the ball, Mike. I mean, I think you've got to get a running game going where now you've got Michigan guessing as to what you're going to do on that run pass option. And that's why they call it an RPO. I mean, that way you're guessing. Are they going to run it or are they going to throw it? If, if Michigan can eliminate the Penn State running game, I mean, and force it where that run pass option is only the pass option, then that becomes big. And you've got to, you know, obviously you've got to know where number five is the entire time. He is a really, really special player. I mean, I don't care whether he's got the ball on offense, he's got the ball on a, on a return, he's got the, you know, he's on a blitz, he's in coverage, and he leads the team in sacks, he leads the team in tackles for losses, he leads the team in tackles. I mean, you know, he's got a 55-yard kick return. I mean, he's got, you know, the whole package. So you got to know where he is the entire time, but what really helps him is that that defensive line is really good. I mean, they're strong up front. Uh, obviously, Rashawn Gary's going to end up being a really good player for them. And I think the secondary has done a really, really good job for them. They keep the ball in front of them. They don't get beat deep. And so for them, I mean, obviously, going into this thing, 26 has got to be the number one priority. That way you force nine to beat you. Well, it's year three for James Franklin. Is this a pivotal season for him in the eyes of Penn State fans and the administration? Mike, maybe for the fans, but not for the administration. I think they, you know, I think this has been kind of blown out of mm-hmm. out of control by some people. And here's the reason why: this isn't normal. I mean, he comes in his first year; he's got 64 scholarship players. Right. The second year, he's got 74, 75. Okay, now he's at 81, so he's finally at a full. And he could have had 85. They just didn't take four guys because you know because they didn't want to just fill the roster to fill the roster. Right. So. You know, nobody's had to go through a recovery period, and he's had to go through a recovery period just to get it back to this point. So there's got to be some common sense that comes into this as to, you know, what you've come trying to come back from, and then where do you go from here? So he's finally at, at least at a point where he's got a little bit of depth. He's been able to rebuild a few things, and you don't just flip the switch and tell me, voila, here we go. I mean, Jim walked into a really good situation there where Brady Hope with a full uh, set of 85 scholarships had built some talent there. Jim's then added in his own talent and his own touch, obviously. I mean, the program is now in his image, but, you know, some of the talent is some that his staff recruited and some the previous staff recruited. But it was a much better starting point than what James Franklin had to walk into. James Franklin walked into a program that scholarship-wise was at an FCS level. I mean, FCS, that's 22 mm-hmm. scholarships below everybody else. So you don't just flip the switch. It's year three. It's not a normal year three for, you know, nobody could go into it. This would not be a normal year three for any coach in the country. And I think one of the problems that they've had here perception-wise is that, you know, early on, it's obvious somebody thought they made mistakes here along the way um, <laughs> with sanctions because no program's ever had givebacks before. Ever on sanctions. Never. Never as a program had give backs. Well, there's a reason why they had give backs. Okay, big reasons why. And so they were able to start building the scholarships back up earlier than than this season. They were able to get the bowl game back two years later. But just because they started 
on the road back and started getting a bowl game out of it doesn't mean they're back to normal yet. Now, this season, they're back to normal in many ways across the board, but I'll give you an example. How many seniors are on the Penn State team? 11. Well, why do they have 11? Because that's that's the highest number they could recruit Okay, four years ago, right. keep it under 65, right? So they only have 11 seniors on the team. So the team is back-weighted to younger players. And so uh, if this were a normal third year for any coach, I could then go along and talk about the premise. But it's not a normal third year, okay? This is, this is a completely abnormal situation for any coach to go through, and I think that situation deserves a little bit of leeway and a little more slack. That's why I think he has a six-year contract because I think there's some understanding early. Hey, look, this isn't just going to be a quick fix where while while that we flip the switch and everything's just hunky dory again. There's a process to getting back, and they're in the process of trying to do that right now. Well, you're right. It's a, it's an exception as a situation that Coach Franklin uh, walked into, and this is as you said, not a normal year three. When you look at his recruiting, it's been very good up to this point. They're putting together a really nice class uh, as of right now for 2017. So realistically, it's in the next two or three years that I know Penn State hopes they're back to Penn State football. Right, and look at the job. I mean, look at the job Jim's done. I'm not trying to minimize the job Jim's done because he's done an awesome job. I mean, everybody can see Jim Harbaugh has done a great job. We all know that. Um, But at the same time, you walk into a little bit better situation because Brady Hoke and his staff did recruit really well. And then Jim's recruited very well, and now everything's coming together very nicely. For James Franklin, he's almost not quite starting from scratch when he got here, but, you know, you still have the process of, you know, they, I mean, they played the bowl game against in Boston College, the pinstripe bowl. They only had 41 scholarship players available. Yeah, I mean, That's it. Okay, that, that tells you how far behind you are. And what he did was he decided to, to treat everything as normally as possible. So he tried to redshirt as many guys the first year as he could. He tried to redshirt as many guys last year as he could because he felt that instead of quick fixing things just to pick up a win or two, he wanted a more long-term solution. And I think you know, a long-term solution needs greater patience because that's why they're called long-term solutions. (laughs) Well, it's a big week. Uh, The Big Ten season opens uh, Saturday, 3 o'clock in the Big House on ABC. uh, Penn State paying a visit to the Big House. And as always, I'm sure we're going to see a great game. And we'd like to thank our guest today on our preview, the radio play-by-play voice of Penn State football, Steve Jones. Steve, as always, it's a pleasure to have you on the show, and we thank you for taking the time. Uh, Mike, it's always a pleasure, and I always love going to Michigan. It's a great, one of the great settings in the world, and uh, you know, it's, it's one of the reasons why you love being in the Big Ten. Quick Hits is next as we wrap up this edition of The Michigan Man here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze & Brew.
On Quick Hits today, as I mentioned at the top of the show, Jordan Lewis and Taco Charlton are ready to play, which is good news. Nothing else in the way of injuries have been reported to us this week. As we enter week four and the Big Ten opener, we are in pretty good shape. Here are some game day facts. Michigan leads the series 12 wins to 7. We beat Penn State last year in Happy Valley 28 to 16. James Franklin is in his third year as head man and has a 16 and 12 record overall in Happy Valley, 38 and 27 in his six years as a head coach. They were 7 and 6 last year and fell 24 to 17 to Georgia in the Tax Slayer Bowl. They return nine starters on offense and five on defense. They are 2-1 and one heading into this week's action. The weatherman says we're in for a very nice day on Saturday, partly sunny with temps near 70 and no rain in the forecast. Kickoff is at 3.30 p.m. and the game can be seen on ABC. If we win on Saturday, next week will set up as a very big test for Michigan. Wisconsin will be in town next Saturday and we'll know a lot more about them after this weekend. They will be in East Lansing on Saturday to take on Sparty in what should be a very physical game. On our game day show next week, my guest will be Michael Spath, host of Inside the Huddle on WTKA Radio in Ann Arbor. On Thursday, we will hear from the voice of Wisconsin football, Matt LePay. So please join us for both of next week's shows. Before I leave you today, a special shout out to my niece Megan and her soon-to-be husband Matt. They will be married on Sunday, which means after Saturday night's game, I will have to make my way down to Columbus, Ohio for uh, their wedding on Sunday. So congratulations and love to both of you, Meg and Matt, on your big day. And a long, and blue life of happiness is what I wish for you both. That will do it for this edition of The Michigan Man. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Enjoy the Big Ten opener with Penn State. And have a great Wolverine weekend, everyone. Until next time, take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at the Michigan Man Podcast at Yahoo.com. That's the Michigan Man Podcast at Yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go blue.